All right, welcome back to the Krug Show, everybody. It is uh, a big night because we got Steve Young in the house. It's Super Bowl week. I and, lost uh, six feet. <laughs> you like that? I, I, I lost I'll it. I'll turn it up. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> uh, it's all courtesy of StreamYard. Um, thanks to Pig and a Pickle, the title sponsor of the Krug Show. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. And, of course, all week long, we'll be in Vegas starting tomorrow. Sharp Corners Sports Cards and Collectibles. Check them out in Monterey. They're on 205 Cypress Avenue in Pacific Grove. And we're also brought to you by Valley um, uh, Valley Roofing. Uh, valleyroofing.com. And they're our sponsor this week as well for the uh, for the Super Bowl week. And we're really excited to have them uh, supp- uh, uh, supporting us. Valleyhillroofing.net is their is their website. Give them a call, 209-481-6851 for all your roofing needs. Steve, good to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I and I appreciate you jumping in. And, you know, we did this a year ago or so, and you were so gracious with your time. And I really appreciate well, it. I never I, like I to bug you. you. I appreciate people who do the work, don't feel like they're trying to, you know, jam people up, just trying to give it good information, and actually bi-directional. Like you want to give information to the people that you're interviewing and you want to give information out to the, to the, you know, people listening. And so I just want to thank you for kind of just not playing that, you know, kind of hyperbole role. You know what I mean? Just like, just get the information out there, let people kind of chew on it and we can all be smarter. So thank you. Krug, you're a good man. Oh man. I, I, I missed doing the regular hit with you and I loved your foundation and Steve, before we get rolling, why don't you shout out the foundation? Because you know, this was like, I couldn't believe it before I did the regular hit with Rod and Tommy and you um, about how like you have a foundation that actually seeks out um, giving credit to the great organizations that exist in the Bay area that help lots of needy people in a, any number of areas and um i just i always thought it was really cool um and the kinds of organizations that are out there and some of the unique things that they do to kind of lift up the bay area and the residents here are things that man i mean it's just like we this is the sense of community that we need so i know the forever young organization does a lot of great stuff tell us a little bit about it if people want to get involved yeah why don't we start right there that's kind of you. So Forever Young, I started it when I was in like 92. Uh, and it was essentially, I went to a dinner of these wonderful mothers of disabled children. And they were they had built, come together and build an organization that needed uh, transportation for all their children to get to the special schools and all the all the different things. And they wanted to get vans and they could get a series of vans. That could, and so they wanted to do a fundraiser. And I knew one of the women and it's like, can you come and help us? I'm like, sure. And so I went and uh, they spent half a year trying to put the whole dinner together. And I think they raised, you know, $30,000 and, uh, and it became very evident to me that, you know what, I think I can raise the $30,000 and you don't have to spend half a year doing it. And that's how I got started. The Forever Young Foundation got started fundamentally around raising, being a fundraising arm for all these great, you know, kind of groups in, in the Bay area. And now 30 years later, um, we have projects all over the world, really. We did a school in Ghana, Africa, if you can believe it. We did a, uh, we not just finished a hospital there. We've done hospital projects all over the country, music theater and, and uh, recreational therapy, kind of like, remember the Patch Adams movie where Robin yeah. Williams is kind of, he came in and made everyone laugh and we've made those spaces in hospitals for kids. 
and uh, we do a lot of we do a lot of projects, and we do and we support a lot of really good groups. We're one of the top ten children's charities in Charity Navigator in the world. So we run we run a lean mean fighting machine. We don't waste money. We don't we don't hype it up. It's very fundamental, and uh, I get good people, and we just kind of chug away at it. We're not trying to take over the world. We just take a little spot in our little corner of the world. We try to do something good, and so I I appreciate you you give me a chance to kind of shout out. There's really nothing that people can do as far as, um, you know, volunteering, uh, you can go to the local children's hospital and volunteer and try to sing to the kids in our, in our music theater spots and our recreational therapy units. And that'd be awesome. We have a lot of people, you know, we had the uh, Imagine Dragons. We've had, uh, uh, Chester Bennington back. He started it a long time ago and a lot of big names have come in and sung to the kids. But if you can sing or if you, even if you can't sing, the kids don't mind come in and play the guitar. And uh, that could be help out. That'd be great. And if you wanted to just get on foreveryoung.org and just, uh, you know, give a few dollars that you know is not going to get wasted. And we're very open and, and transparent about where the money goes. Uh, you know, check it out. Foreveryoung.org. Yeah. So just and we'll mention that a few times uh, throughout the throughout the, you know, the, the sit down here, because. Uh, if we got a lot of people that do care and they love you and they love the, they love the way you play the game and they love your contribution to the Niners and to the game foreveryoung.org. And if people want to go and make a donation, please do. Um, and um, all I can say is it was inspiring hearing uh, the, you know, you described the different people we were shouting out on a regular basis yeah. that were doing cool things. And it, you well, know what, and you know what's even the, really the cool thing is like, you know, people hear that. It's like when people hear other people being charitable and the the great links that people do go to be charitable and to try to help think, help people out, I think it just kind of motivates everybody's spirit to kind of think along those lines. Yeah, a lot of it's like anything. We were just talking about the Golden Heart Fund that the 49ers started with Harris Barton and Ronnie Lott. Right. And Eddie D started this Golden Heart Fund to, to build a, a little nest egg for some of the 49ers through the years. I mean, how many people have played for the 49ers? that you don't remember or you didn't even pay attention to that played a couple of years, three years, four years. Now they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they're struggling. And the Golden Heart Fund has is, is kind of been put together to kind of help. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I really appreciate people using their platform and trying to help. I, so I like the radio show. Like, you know, what do you want? Don't get paid. Just, just shout out someone who needs help. You know what I mean? And like, who's doing great work and, and uh, in the community. And so over the years, I mean, we've, we've, we're, we're trying to find groups. We've like shouted out hundreds of people, you know, first responders and, and people just jumping in, trying to help, uh, you know, whether it's highway patrol or like, you know, just random folks that are just out there serving the community. So uh, anyway, I appreciate it. Awesome stuff, man. Um, I loved your sit down with Brock Purdy. What did you, what did you get out of that? I was looking forward to it very much because I wanted to see how he ticked because um, there was just something that didn't make sense to me. Um, most people uh, come into big moments or big, ex big experiences and they have to get up to speed. You know, you have to kind of get used to it. Um, it's totally normal. And it felt like he just was like, yeah, you know, it's another game, another, another, give me a play. I'll run the play. You know, it's a championship game. Oh yeah, it's just a play, and it's just a play. Just run the play, and uh, and I just found it fascinating how he has built 
uh, a firm, I don't know, a moat or, or a built a, a protection that faith, his faith is given him so that he is very clearly in God's hands and is like, I'll, I'll, if you want me to play quarterback for the 49ers, great. And if we, like he said, when they were down 24 seven, he said, he said in the, the other day, uh, he's in the locker room at halftime. He's like, well, God, you know, if you want me to come back, I'll come back. If you want me to, if that doesn't happen, then that's not in the cards. And so it's, it's a, there's a freedom that he feels. And here he goes to the Super Bowl, and everyone else is like, well, I'd be freaking out. i got to play Patrick Mahomes, all the expectations, everybody in the Bay Area. You know how many people live in the Bay Area? You know how many people are freaking out about a chance to go to the Super Bowl? I mean, do you have any idea? Like, yeah, what? I, I, I just got to go, give me a play. I'll, I'll run it. And I think that's why Kyle loves him, because he's not overwrought. He is he's like Indiana Jones. He gets a play. He's... He wants to get through, kind of decipher everything, figure out who, where to send, you know, get the ball out, and the ball comes out very efficiently. There's been very few more efficient quarterbacks in the history than he was this year. So I, you asked me about the interview. I really was inspired. I le- I left it like I'm, I'm inspired by by Brock Purdy, and uh, you know, I asked him about being Mr. Irrelevant and how that kind of hangs on him. And do you feel like you have to kind of con- constantly speak about it or kind of? defend that you're that you're not or prove that people are wrong or is it a chip on your shoulder and a lot of people dealt with you know they have chips on their shoulder that's what drives them tom brady famously was chip on my shoulder i'm six round i'm gonna prove to you he used that you know as a tool to win seven super bowls and brock just doesn't think of it that way he's like i don't i don't have a chip on my shoulder i don't you can't define me and i just it's a completely unique way uh that he's found uh and it's fundamental it's 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 you talk about his faith is grounded, it's rooted, and it's not changing. And um, I, I just I, I left inspired. Yeah, his faith. It's interesting. He's like I'm more than a football player, or it's like foot. Not that I'm more than a football player, but like football is great, and I love it. I'm going to put everything I have into it, but it won't define me yeah. as a man. Even if I'm a, if I'm a Super Bowl champion quarterback, that's not going to define me. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. Whether or or whether I'm a super or losing quarterback, that's not going to define me. And it's really hard to have the discipline of mind to you can say that, but to actually that is true to you. I find it uh, highly powerful. He said last week uh, on the podium to us in the media that he was going to reach out to you before this game. Has he reached out to you? And I saw him. I saw him briefly. I went down the facility on Saturday uh, for a minute. Uh, and um, saw him, and we we connected, and I I told him, look, bro, if there's something that you think I could be useful, you know, because we've had a nice text dialogue going, and uh, you know, this week, and so, but if nothing, then great, you know, if something, great, you know, all I want to do is pay it forward anyway for what I've been through, so um, we'll see if if something, if I get a text on Saturday night, and I'll tell him, you know, Drag your, your mattress down to Brent Jones's room so you can hear him snore. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. If by chance he did call you, you played in this game and, um, and you know, you, and you played in this game at a point in your career when you had been through so many tough games, so many tough championship games. And I know you've probably felt like you were the much better team. But how did you feel the night before Super Bowl 
was a 29, I believe. And what would you, if you were giving him advice about, I don't know, dealing with the game or, or dealing with maybe the timing involved in either at halftime or pregame or getting too amped up. I mean, what would be your advice to a, to a guy like this? Who's, yeah. who's a second year player, Steve. Playoff football is, um, man, it goes by quick. And look, they almost, <laughs> they've had two really big scares. I mean, last really? week, yeah. last week was like a crazy scare. You're down 24 seven at home and the number one seed. Um, it can, it's just a flash, you know, if Dan Campbell maybe kicks a couple of field goals, it's, a, it might be over, you know? And so, uh, what would I tell him is to remind him of that experience. But now that he's experienced, I don't know if you can, once you've, once you've had the visceral experience, there's like, I can't screw around here, but I would say that the playoff football more than anything is about finding that fine line of not being overwrought and over, you know, uh, uh you can't waste a play, but you also can't overdo a play it's like this this fine line where you like you don't you don't you don't want to check out the other team you don't want to spend a quarter kind of a couple of series you know feeling each other out no you're like game on first play everything matters i only have 65 70 plays to go and i got to make every one of them count every series is kind of you know vital and again there's a fine line between being overwrought about it and like freaking out and then also not being focused enough because playoff football to me, you know, you don't want to be in a spot where you're down like that. That's when you, that's how you get beat. That's why I told the guys, it's like, you, you, we got to flip the script here. We cannot continue to be in playoff games and be on the ropes. And then all we need is that, you know, if Jordan Love was a veteran, you figure like he could have, he could have closed that down. If Jared Goff was a vet, like if he could have, you know, if coach would have kicked a couple of field goals, he could have shut it down. Like you don't want to be in that spot. Now we got Patrick Mahomes we need to flip the script back to where we were. I say we, I don't know why I do that, Larry, but I mean, I guess it's just a. I love it. The fans love but, it. It shows your investment. Where, where we were in the middle of the season when we exploded on people, it was like a revelation. The 49ers, it felt like we had a lead uh, when we came out of the locker room. You know, out comes Debo, out comes George, out comes Brandon, out comes Trent, out comes Nick. Out, you know, it's like, you know, it's just a parade of people. And it's like by the time warmups are done, the other team's like, ah, and you're up 10 nothing before you even kicked it off. That's who we were during the season where everyone talked about you and I had talked about it. Everyone was talking about who's going to beat these guys? Who? Who? And we got to get back there for this one game uh, and flip that script back to midseason because the truth is, since Christmas Day, it hasn't. It, that script has not we flipped the script a different way and it's it's a little unnerving and uh and i and i would if i were them i would be a little unnerved and making sure that we kind of got back on track okay let's go back to the podium after the super bowl you're holding the trophy you're holding it like a little kid holds a teddy bear by the way two arms around it like you cherished it way too much drama i, I don't know i you know but it but it was awesome it was awesome and i loved it i appreciated it um, you said to the team, man, it, there were dark days and we devoted each devoted ourselves to one another. And there were some really dark days and you got, you looked into the eyes of your teammates and you said, you guys know it. I'm, I'm, you know, telling the truth. There were dark days and we committed to each other. 
what were you referencing there? Was there some commitment in 94 late in the year that you guys said, hey, nobody go out, everybody focus. Let's not waste this opportunity. You know, uh, well, we, we got had, a great team. What, yeah, you what were remember. you referencing there? Well, you got to remember that, that the Cowboys had been built. You know, we'd been doing it for 15 years and been kind of in and out of the top of the echelons of the league for a long time. But the Cowboys showed up in 92 and became this, I mean, they were just dynasty. They're some bad boys, man. Yeah. I mean, I was just like, they were, they were built, you know, I don't know if, I mean, us and them were kind of the two teams that I would put up against who the 49ers are today, just how many great players they had put together and, and not, and getting beat in those key moments that uh, that's not the dark days I was talking about. The dark days I think were in that, that, that season. It was early on. Remember the Philadelphia game when things went haywire at home. Sure. Uh, I was, I was there that day. I remember that. I just felt like, um, uh, I, 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 it was a culmination of, you know, a couple of years and then some, a couple of moments during the season that felt like we were on the, not on the ropes, but we were, you know, kind of tested and so then what I said at the beginning of the playoffs was 39 days, I want to say, to the Super Bowl when we got done with the season. or I got 29 days. I don't remember what I said. But we counted the days. Hey, look, it's, it's a commitment. And let's look at those days, those next 29, 30, I don't know, I think it was 29 days that, that we've got to the Super Bowl. And let's just let's not screw around. Let's not waste a minute doing anything other than making sure that this happens. And then it happened. And I think that we had to do it over the – over the, you know, we had to beat the Cowboys. We had to beat the Cowboys at the at the prime of the greatest, one of their greatest runs ever, and we had to uh, be ready to go beat the Chargers, which was, you know, people always say, "Oh, that was done," you know, they were a nasty little group of people. I mean, that was, <laughs> but we we got moving on that and did it. We took care of it. But I think that's what I was talking about. Um, okay, so let's talk about Mahomes for a second. The AFC Championship game was really interesting. This is not a vintage. Chiefs team offensively, right, Steve? I mean, they're they still have Kelsey and Pacheco and and uh, Rice, the rookie, and Patrick, and obviously Andy Reid calling the plays. But when I watched the game against Baltimore, what struck me was that they just came out with a ton of quick game, right? Everything real, you tight end release off off the line of scrimmage, boom, get it to Kelsey, get it out of my hand as quite quickly as possible. Don't take any negative plays. Get to third and short, and then and then let Patrick, um, you know, scramble for it if if need be. They score. They've now scored on eight for eight games in a row where they've scored on their first possession, and then their defense has given up only seven points a game in the second half. So they're it's almost like they're playing offense. Just don't take any risks. Don't you know? Uh, Mahomes threw fourteen picks, but he hasn't thrown one now in like five games. What do you see? from from the Chiefs uh and Mahomes and obviously you gotta be amazed by what he is as a you know yeah. the entirety of his game. Well okay how do we let's 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 build the superstructure here because they've gone a freezing cold game at home against the Dolphins. They go to Buffalo, they go to Baltimore and the game today, Larry, compared to twenty years ago, is much more like the NBA. I always talk about it. it's like uh, the stock market where um, my kids are home, so you, sorry about That's that. That's all right. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> kids are wise guys. Uh, I'm, I'm live. I'm live. 
I'm live, everybody. I'm live. Respect to the old man. I'm on my live here. Come on. You want to get on? Come on. Comment. Yeah. Bring him on. So it's Lila, my boy Braden. Uh, uh, you know, because the league is built the way it is today, it's like uh, the stock market. It's highly volatile in that teams that are going to be great. In the old days, 20 years ago, you kind of knew they were going to be great like in the preseason or even a year before. They were building towards it, and they were coming from a long distance away. Now they get thrown together, and they make adjustments in the middle of the season. They kind of all come together, and all of a sudden they become really good. And the Chiefs have had to make those kind of adjustments on the fly as they lose guys and as it changes. And it feels like what they've done is they've coalesced around, you know, kind of a different way of doing it. They're going to they're gonna play pretty ferocious defense. We're going to be top 10 defense. And then I got to give Patrick Mahomes so much credit because he's a Superman. He loves to put the cape on like Josh Allen. There's a couple of guys in the league uh, that can do that. And it's fun to do. And you don't have to work at it. You don't have to study but Patrick has gone with, and I think uh, Andy's forced it on him to go study and like run the offense. I'm going to call a great play. Don't give up on it early and try to do something special. Just drop it off. Take the game. Every, <clears throat> the team will respond because you've given this consistency and this efficiency that's in the offense. And then your big plays will come. And I think that's why the difference between this Super Bowl and the Super Bowl in 2019 is that. You're going to run into a sophisticated passer of the football who's very willing to be very efficient, be eight, you know, 16 of 20 uh, for 150 yards, and 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 then in the halftime, and then the second half, you know, things might open up. But I, I, that's why they're dangerous. I I liked our chances against Patrick Mahomes trying to throw the Superman cape on early in the game, running around trying to do it because the offense is going to get frayed and 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 and. Uh, and it won't be nearly as efficient. It won't be nearly as dangerous. You can't run around and be Superman for four quarters. You start throwing interceptions. Things go haywire. That happened against him in, in uh, was it the year after, the year before against the Bengals in, at home in the championship game. Like So I find the Chiefs unnerving because they're, they're better than they were at Halloween. They might be significantly better than they were at Halloween. And... They also have been here so much that they there's nothing new. There's nothing that's over. They're not going to be overwrought. They're not going to. They've learned from the Super Bowl that they weren't prepared to play, and they've screwed up against Tampa Bay. They know it, and you know I think the guys who've been around for that are just not going to allow that to happen again. Because so they have they have scar tissue that makes them dangerous as well. So I, I, if you're going to say the Kansas City Chiefs of Halloween, how do you feel about them against the Super Bowl against the Super Bowl of the 49ers? You're like, yeah, I, I like that. I like that matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs of today, I don't know. It's a little more scary. Are you surprised the Niners are favored in this? I think people just saw the Niners all season long, and they're like, who, who is going to beat these guys? These guys are – this talent that's been put together, that John Lynch has put together is once in a generation, or once in two generations, to have all of those players under contract put together and in one place. It just doesn't happen in today's game. You don't get that many guys. And so when they, and they, and Brock just bits the ball out there, gets them in space, lets them run. And, uh, and Kyle's just coming up with cool stuff to kind of, uh, to do that. You know, I think the whole country feels like that's who the Niners are. And then I would say since Christmas, I don't know that that's who the Niners are. Where's the pass rush? Where's that dominant defense that's going to give the ball back a bunch of times? Where's where's our offense that's going to explode on people from the from the get? You know, like 
I, you know, I have a feeling they're probably thinking about the Niners of Halloween and they're probably thinking about the Chiefs of Halloween. But I think it, it, who they are today is a little bit more unnerving. Now, loving the comebacks, loving the grit and the heart, you know, the heart to pull those games out and go win them, you got to give everybody a lot of credit for that. But in championship football, especially the Super Bowl, that's, that is not the script that you want to be in. Um, the sideline of the fourth quarter where you're like, hey, get this monkey off my back. And uh, it always made me laugh. But, man, I, I, I know, I mean, he almost had to live through the era to understand how much pressure was on you in the in, from 90, 91, 92. Joe's standing right there. Joe's got an army of fans. They loved him. Uh, you understood the whole thing. You're a smart guy, but you also were trying to assert yourself and did and were winning MVPs and uh, sending to great heights. What did this win in this game change your life at all, Steve? I know you're you know, you're you're balanced. You're a normal guy. You got a wife. You got kids. I get the sense from talking to you that you're you're an every man's man. But what did winning that game ultimately do for you or or would your life be as complete without the win in that Super Bowl? Well, I think because of the Super Bowls that had come before and that remember there was and there was we almost had three in a row. Like you gotta live through the era where we go to Super Bowls and we win Super Bowls. That's what we do. And no other than the Patriots there for a little while, no one else has ever been in a situation, maybe back in the Steelers days, back in the seventies, maybe, but like you have to experience that and recognize that that's, that's what we do. And anything short of it is just kind of a failure. And people are like, what? You're kidding me. And uh, no, you, you, like you said, you had to have been there. And being there, you, you know that uh, to live up to the expectations, you needed to win Super Bowls. And I actually feel like, you know, we, I went to four, five championship games. Joe went to eight champ. I don't even know what it was, eight, nine champ. I mean, we, we left things on the table. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, despite getting five, it's like we left stuff on the table that, um, you know, that, but that's just where it was. And so that, that super, like going to Super Bowls is the key and, and we won them. I mean, Joe had won four. I was like, if you go to Super Bowl, you win it. And, and that's just part of how you wake up in the morning before the game. It's like, I have no choice. This has to happen. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome place to be because you're going to find, I always say, look, I want to be in situations where I can find out how good I am. You know, I might find out I'm not as good as I thought, but I, at least I, I want to find out. And being in San Francisco and in that offense and with those guys, I felt like I'm going to find out. And I, I relished it. And, uh, and I wish that we would have had more. You know, that's for what, sure. What would this win, you think, mean? You know Kyle and you know John and you know Jed. I kind of feel like these guys, they're all very successful and they're all very talented and they've all been winners on a very high level, but this win would validate all three. Maybe Jed, you know, to his mother and father, maybe John, as far as, man, he's got the complete, he's already a Hall of Famer. He'd have the complete resume. And for Kyle, he's got that label that Andy wore for so many years, you know, the best coach in the game that didn't win a Super Bowl. What do you think... What do you think it would mean to those guys to get this? I mean, are they Kyle seems just so maniacally driven by it. Um, I can feel the tension coming off him the last couple of weeks. Whether you like it or not, 
or whether you think it's right or not, Super Bowls define careers. So get it, you know, and I think that Kyle, John, Jed, me, everyone understands like Super Bowls define careers. And so you bet you got to go get them. And they don't happen one person you had. It's everybody. And, and give the 49ers credit and give Jed credit and John and Denise for the last 20 years, you know, especially since 2012, we've been in five championship games, six. Yeah. And then the three Super Bowls and people say, well, you lost them. Well, come on. You know, you're in the, you're in the, you're, like Bill Walsh used to say, we set up pace camp in the playoffs and we attack the summit every year. And, and that's who this team is. And so you got to give John and Jed and Kyle tremendous credit for being in this spot all the time. But like the, like my life, you, you got to get there. You got to, you got to win it. And so they know that. And so you don't have to wonder the impact uh, because it, this, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make your life, but it makes your career. Right. And what you're saying is like, you gotta have a good life. And you have family and wonderful. And it's like, you can have a wonderful life, a healthy, beautiful life, and you don't have to win. But if you want a, you know, phenomenal career in football, you gotta, you gotta go win the Super Bowl. There were some guys that weren't, as Kyle said, it weren't necessarily hustling on the backside in the NFC championship game. Weird. When I, when I saw the video, if I, my jaw dropped. I mean, I was at the game, but I was watching it on, in the press box in the upper level. Right. When I and then when I watched the TV copy, I got to be honest, I didn't see Chase Young kind of, you know, going three quarters. It felt like a preseason game three situation. I brought it up to Kyle. I don't know that he wanted to talk about it. I'm pretty sure he didn't. John Lynch said, "Hey, look, hard work or hard effort and you're working hard and." Is, is non-negotiable. You know, hustle is non-negotiable. Steve uh, Wilkes said, I was embarrassed. And, I, you know, this has been a narrative, Steve. What did you think when you saw that? And is it indicative of of a culture or is it individual-based? Is it a concern in this game? John was like, I'd be shocked if we saw it again. So clearly they addressed it in-house. Uh, Bosa and Warner, I mean, Warner addressed the team on the field. Normally, to Steve, it's one, two minutes before practice. He was out there talking for five, six, seven, eight minutes the other day. They clearly want to eradicate any aspect of that from their game. What did you think of it? And and how do they go forward in this game and get beyond that? It's part of it's part of this fear, not fear, just concern that um, that's happened since Christmas, right? And you know, our, our four man pass rush find us in 2019 and took us to the game and it it's the difference in those big games and to watch guys not you know it just it, it baffles the mind that in san francisco with the opportunity that's in front of you with what's at stake uh you think you, you, you know you talk about kyle being maniacal right and you'd want 50 guys that were maniacal and to find that that's not true that's just you know it's how do you What's in that locker room? The leadership, you know, I, there's this locker room's tremendous. This locker room is people leadership that I would reminds me and feels it, it, it resonates with me. This team resonates with me uh, on the teams that we had in the leadership in the locker room and who they are. So do I expect that to ever see that again? No. Uh, and uh, but but the concern is that like their wide nine and the things that they've been doing for a little while is like, does someone have a book on them? 
because let alone forget okay let's put aside the hustle situation let's just figure that it's gotten fixed what is keeping us from kind of dominating defensively that you know in the last you know month or eight weeks and and uh and are people kind of got a book on us and is there they're just i think there's some fears and anxieties in the system that uh we're not able to do what we were doing before and maybe that leads to that so i i this there's nothing in the playoffs in the two games that makes me feel like we've gotten that worked out and so you, you know, it's like then we got to work it out now, and we got to flip the script and 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 take it to Patrick Mahomes and make sure that he is he he has to put on that Superman cape early because they get desperate and he has to do all kinds of crazy stuff and he starts throwing it around and you know and they're just under siege. That's got to be how we play football, and it just hasn't been that way, and we got to get it back. A um, couple more minutes with Steve Young. Uh, foreveryoung.org is his foundation, guys. If you can, make a great donation to Steve's foundation. They do incredible work here in the Bay Area, and we appreciate Steve's time tonight. Um, the Super Bowl's evolved as far as the media thing. Did you and Stan Humphreys have pregame appearances, not on game day, but in that week where you guys appeared together? Yeah, uh, you had to, you? Yeah, and, there were like press conferences and uh, not not like, you know, representing Nike or like nothing – I can't imagine that's what you're talking about. Because I no, no, like tonight I just saw a picture of uh, Purdy and Mahomes, and somebody asked Purdy the other day, "Do you know Mahomes?" He's like, "I've never talked to him." What, do you do you want to say nothing? Do you want to say something um, when in those pre? I mean, this is a guy you're trying to beat. I mean, you're both guys are desperate to win this game. It seems kind of odd that that you would put the competitors together and they would actually talk in a friendly way or have time together. Is there awkwardness there, Steve? And and uh, do you do you try to you know not you know not be glib and happy? Or what was your mindset? What was your I, game? I appreciated emotional athleticism from people. In other words, you know, I tell a great story about Reggie White sacking me and then you know falling <laughs> down with me on top of him, right? And and then saying how you know how you doing? How's your folks? Like I right. appreciate people who can compete at its highest level. Yeah, you know, kind of white hot com- competition, and then can not they don't have to overcompete. They don't have to drive you to the ground and 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 scratch your eyeball out. Like let's compete, let's respect the competition, let's play hard. Ronnie Lott taught me that. Like let's play hard, but don't disrespect the competition because then we can't learn from winning and losing. And so I don't mind people. I think some fans are like you should never look at them. You know, don't even you know <laughs> just just spin their face like. Look, I, I appreciate people who can compete at the highest level and still can have a, you know, collegial, you know, conversation, you know, on a Monday before the game. Like, I, I can't imagine that you can't be that kind of a states person that can figure that out. So, um, you know, do I want to hang out and go through? I mean, no, I'm, I'm not saying that, but just you can be cordial with people and move on and then be ready to compete. I, I You know, the... There's some people that overcompete, and I think it actually helps hurts them in their competition. Like, and I, I learned that from some of the guys I played with. And Ronnie was the guy that showed me the most. Like, he was always, a, 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 you know, he was, he was very respectful of the other team, always. And, but yet, do you do you question whether he competed? Oh. Like, you, and you even you know, you don't even think about it, right? Right, right. But he was that, but he he told a story. Uh, he got in a beef with Phil Sims once, and he told the story about. Like 
you can't disrespect competition because then we don't learn. Then we just, we, we, we uh, there's just a winner and a loser and then, you know, that's not worth it. Like if they're, if you're going to compete, you got to allow the space for both sides to learn from the, from whatever happened and you got to respect it. And so I don't know, I, Larry, I know people, fans are just like, don't, don't, don't t- talk to them. Don't like, no, I'm, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go to dinner on Friday night, but Monday's probably okay. Are you going to have any official role this week? Are you going to be part of, and if you could, if you could talk to the team and you could pick your moment, let's say Jed's came to you, Kyle came to you said, Steve, you're one of the all-time greats in our organization. We'd like you to talk to our team at some point. What, where would you like to talk to the team? You know, before the game, not on game day, on the practice field. And what would you say to these guys? You guys uh, seized your moment. Obviously, it's about seizing their moment. But yeah. what would be your message? I, I, I want to talk to them way away from, like, before they left town, like on Saturday, you know, and just tell them that, you know, Super Bowls are not won. They're, they're taken from bloody hands. Like, you don't go out there and just win the game. Like, it's going to be something that you have to rip from people. And you have to have that mentality that, that, that that's the kind of environment that I'm living in. And we can't just wait for something to happen. You, and then how do we, and then if you're going to have to take it from people, then when do you do that? Do you do that just on game day? No. You start well before and you say to yourself, look, am I going to go run around town trying to see all the parties? Am I going to get out and, you know, feel like FOMO, you know, like, oh my gosh, I mean, what if I, this is my one chance at the Super Bowl? No, you're going to have 50 chances at the Super Bowl when you're not playing them. This is the one where you got to go take care of business. And so it's just focusing people's minds to the job at hand. Don't, don't let your first time in a Super Bowl. No, I don't care about any of that. Just prepare to go rip a game out of the bloody hands of somebody else. And that's the mentality that you have to have. And you can't, and, and that doesn't, that will keep you from wasting time, wasting a quarter, getting at halftime in a, in, you know, in a state where like, what have we just done? Like, you just got to be in that mindset that, that, uh, and, and you need that mindset on Tuesday and Wednesday. And again, it's an art not to be overwrought and over prepared, but just, you want to be on that razor's edge, ready to go, just play the best football you've ever played. And, uh, I would tell him a story of Mike Shannon telling me that, uh, you know, before the game, you're going to throw eight touchdowns. And I'm like, Mike, come on, man. He goes, <laughs> he goes, I'm not joking. It's happening. And I thought, and we came in at halftime and I would tell him, he came in at halftime and he said, you got four, there's four more dead serious. And then you come out of the game with six in the fourth, you know, early in the fourth quarter and you go talk to him and he's like, get back in there. There's two more. It's that kind of, that's, that's, you know, Mike Shanahan got me, ready to play in that mentality of like, we are, there's no amount of points or anything that worked. There's no governor. There's no, like we are all out ready and just like so prepared. We've never been better ready to play amazing football. And that's what I would tell them. You know what play I would love to see Steve, by the way, I'd love to see Kyle dust off the play that you guys scored on the touchdown to Ricky Waters when you guys ran Rice through the zone and ran Waters behind him through the exact same zone. I'd love to see Ayuk and CMC on that play and see if it would work again because, you know, Rice took the coverage, 
Waters just ran free. I think IU could take the coverage. I think CMC could run free. Do you yeah. remember that play, what that oh, yeah. play was? Oh, yeah. I remember Mike Shannon talking because I remember Stanley Richards, and I can't remember the other safety. There was two all-pro safeties. And uh, and all week long, they're talking about, look, the middle of the field's closed. Like, we, we shut that down. They have to go somewhere else. And Mike Shannon's like, uh, we're going we're gonna to run them out of the building. So so he had two plays. Remember the first, it was like third play of the game, Jerry caught one right down the middle. Right. And then the next series, I want to say, he ran that play that you're talking about where where Jerry went down and then and then and then uh, Ricky followed him and Ricky caught the ball down the middle and then went in for a score and as I was running down to congratulate Ricky at the end zone I, I ran by Stanley Richards and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I go bro how's the middle of the field is it open or closed I can't tell I can't I can't figure it out man I'm not sure if it's shut down or if it's wide open how do you feel about it? <laughs> it would have been better if you used his nickname. I think he was the sheriff. Sheriff. I go, hey, I, I, might have said, sheriff. I, might have said, I might have said, Sheriff, where's the badge, bro? It's not, it's not happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay, couple last ones. Um, there, what do you think of, you know, Warren Sharp, who's really sharp? says that the 49ers, and this is a matchup, talking about the matchup, he says the Chiefs struggle against two running back sets. The Niners use two running back sets, the highest rate in the NFL. Chiefs are giving up 5.2 yards per carry, 27th in in the NFL against two running running back sets. In fact, um, they're giving up six yards per carry against two running back sets on early downs. Is it possible, Steve, that the Niners show up and just run the ball on Kansas City and dominate this game because of Kansas City can't stop their run, or is that dreamlike thinking? Well, no. If you think about Kyle, and and think about remember it was just seven, eight, nine days ago that they were in a halftime, in like an existential like crisis. Like, can you imagine if they would have been the number one seed and lost that game at home? And I mean, but they were there. They lived it. And so you got to understand that that's still that doesn't just disappear. And so the idea what you're describing to me is Kyle says, look, if we think we can do that and use check is going to be that extra guy that's going to and then, you know, we're going to just pound them and, 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 and try to go up 10 nothing off of that and, and not take a lot of risk. That'd be a dream scenario. Right. That'd be the way you want to do it. Big, huge chunks of clock already gone. Um, and then off of that, once you can establish that that's the that's the Niners of 19 right it's one of this in this season as well like and then all the stuff that comes off of that Debo I mean one stat on Larry I don't know if I I I stat I, I tell everyone I was talking to John Lynch today I told him this stat he hadn't heard it but it is the most amazing stat I've ever heard that they're zero yard passes so every yard pass that they've had for the season behind the line of scrimmage screen slip screens everything that happens there you got to figure what 95% completion rate, right? Their yards per attempt on those zero yard throws. So you don't throw the, you throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, their yards per attempt versus the rest of the leagues, all their throws, all the throws that go on all over the field. They are number one. Their yards per attempt is number one in the league from their zero passing. So that is such a powerful place to be that you can lead the league in yards per attempt with zero risk and just putting it in people's hands in an artful way. It's, it's an amazing thing 
and you, the, expa- the explosion of, of that is what you got to hopefully see in the Super Bowl. Like if you can start to see those zero yard passes going for eight to 10, 15, 20, Debo, whether, no matter who it is, George, whoever it is, Brandon, anybody, and, and Christian, like, like it's coming from everywhere and, and the Chiefs don't know what's happening. And then they run it and they're gashing them in big chunks of yardage. That's, that's the dream that Kyle has right now. Two last ones, and then we'll get to some comments and let you get on with your night, man. We appreciate you totally, man. Foreveryoung.org. If people can make a donation to Steve's charity, um, they do great work in the Bay Area, and uh, you would not be disappointed. All right, the Brock criticism, and then we'll get to the field controversy of the day. I've met this guy, Steve. I had a buddy who's scouts who told me, because I didn't like the pick on draft day. I thought, man, smallish college quarterback, doesn't have an NFL arm. You already have all these quarterbacks. And a buddy of mine who watches all my YouTube stuff is like, Krug, you know, I'm going to show you. I was in Ames. I've met this kid. This kid is not the kid you're thinking of. He's going to be bigger, stronger, faster in two years than he is now. He's growing into his body. He's a leader. He's tough. He's smart. He's got heart. He's got guts. He, he plays on time. He's accurate. You're going to love him. Just watch this video. He sent me a video. This is like April of, of the year he was drafted. I watched it. I said, you're right. He does look damn good. I'll look at him in minicamp. In minicamp, he looked like the best player on the field. In training camp, the same thing. He got in the first preseason game, Steve, and he's working the play clock to zero before snapping the ball at the end of the game. You never see a rookie quarterback in his first preseason game do that. They're just worried about getting the, the plays called. Right. Why is Brock Purdy? And then I met him, and I'm like, this kid's exactly what you want. He reminds me of yourself. He reminds me of Joe. He reminds me of Brady. He reminds me of of Breeze, of Russell. Smart, humble, competitive as hell. Needs to win. And to me, I just identified those traits, and I'm like, wow, this kid is special. Um why is it everybody wants to rip this kid down? I thought America loved a great story. Then they get tired of it and then rip him down. It's like they skipped the great story part and went straight to rip this kid down. There's so many people that want to say what Brock Purdy is not. Why? Is there anything that you can point yeah, to? So think of the prototype today is Superman. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Big, strong, fast. Right, right. And so that's the prototype. Remember, I was an oddity back in the day. I'm. This is my game now. I wouldn't be an oddity today. I'd be a prototype. But I was an oddity. And when you're an oddity, people just aren't comfortable. And so they, if you're going to be the MVP, if you're going to be the best quarterback in the league, you can't be somebody who's just, you know, not can't put the Superman cape on. And so then what's fun about it is, you know, the run, you spit out 50 yards, 49 yards on, on, uh, on championship weekend. And it's like his game continues to expand a little bit, but I think it's just that, that, and Brock said, remember after the game, he says, I'm not, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the strongest, I'm not the fastest. And it's like, like, and I think people just want, they want Superman. And because he's not, um, I, I don't think there's any more than that. I don't think there's any kind of, un, you know, undercurrent of something else. It's just, it just doesn't feel like what we're seeing uh, you know, the best in the league today and what they're doing, Lamar Jackson does is make people whiff and move around and throw it all over the field. And, you know, uh, what CJ Stroud did this, did this year, right? Big, strong, can just throw it all over the place. 
that that's what people are used to. That's what they, that's the, the top of the league. That's the, those are the guys. And, uh, and that's not Brock and Brock will be the first one to tell you that's not me. And I think that's why. And, uh, but that's okay. And I think he's okay with it. And, uh, and we, and we love, we love what he's bringing to the team. Um, one of the challenges uh, that Brock has had and uh, as people put a book on him is because he's so good at being present, deciphering through the defense and getting the ball out. I mean, I don't know the stat. I sure I should find it is, you know, his, how fast the ball comes out with him, but he's got to be top one of the top in the league and in, in uh, how fast the ball comes out. And in that way, because defenses say, okay, he's, he's going to let the ball come out quickly because you know, he, that's his game. And so then I noticed in the, especially the Raven game and then the, the, the Green Bay game, like wherever he looked first, they just ran, they just ran there because he's looking there because he's going to throw it there because he already figured it out. And so then I said before the game last week, because they've kind of figured that out, you need to now figure out how to go somewhere else and then also start running. Like if they, if they run to where you're looking and, and, and because you can't get it out as quickly, then you're going to have to get on your horse and go get some yards. And that's what he did and change, he changed the game. So I think in the Super Bowl, I would think that he needs to, um, run some more and uh, watch for these, these guys running because he's so efficient. Remember, that's his game. I'm so efficient. That ball's coming out. It's coming out on time with yak, ready to – guys catching it with space. And it's not late. It's not double pumped. It's not – it's coming. And in that way, um, people seem to be trying to get, a, get a, a jump on that. And so he has just – he has to iterate his game a little bit, which he can. And uh, I'm sure he will. And it's, but uh, going back to, I, look, who cares? You know, like, I don't care. Like, just go, go, play, go be as good as you can be. And I think that's kind of what his, his mantra is. And let everybody talk. It doesn't matter. Last topic for you. And then we'll get a couple comments and get you out of here. Um, the practice facility, the practice field. The Niners are practicing at UNLV. They laid a grass surface over a field turf. Supposedly, they only did it a couple weeks ago. According to the reports, the Niners don't like it. Um, they think that it's not um, that it's, you know, the NFL says it's not a safety issue, that it's a preference issue. But the Niners don't like the firmness of the of the field. They feel it's too squishy and soft. They say they grade these fields. The, the Chiefs are playing at the Raiders facility. That field is get get getting like an 80 grade. The Niners claim that this field would get a 50 grade is how serious of an issue is this? What is there? You think there's a solution there? Um, is this a big deal? No deal? Minor deal? What do you, everything becomes a big deal with all the media there, but is it a big deal? I can tell you it's a big deal to them. And they feel, they feel, and look, when someone says to me, I'm going to put down sod on top of a field, a astroturf field, it makes no sense to me. Like, there needs to be something underneath this, not just slippery. Like, it's just weird. So, and then I think the rains probably exacerbated the problem. If it was sunny and hot, I, I think, they, you know, if they put it down well, maybe it doesn't become a problem. But it's so soggy and wet, uh, and it's going to get more rain. Uh, and then on top of, it's just, it's one of those things that you tell me you're going to put, you're going to put grass on top of turf. It just, you just say that. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. So I think that's the problem, right? It's like, who thought this was okay? 
and the leaks obviously thinks it's okay. And, uh, and that's how, cause there's no option. There's no other place to go. I mean, it's like, you can't, it's too weird to say, okay, well, we'll have both teams practice in the same spot. Cause the schedules like the chiefs have their schedule. Like they've got it out there. They got it ready for play a football game. Like, how do you make it so that who, who, who practices late, who practices early? Is that right? So in some ways there's no real solution. Um, it's just a, it's a mess up, you know, it's a, it's just a mess up. And I don't know how you get, you can't solve it because there's no other place to practice. Um, if I was Kyle, maybe I'd go to a high school field, that at least had the turf and just look at something that I could move on. And I didn't have to worry about, uh, and just get the work done, but it does. They're super upset about it. And, probably for a good reason. Wow. Uh, here we go. Here are the, the, the comments that people want to throw in. There's the 20 quick ones. We'll roll through them. Greg says, Steve, how big of factors do humility and confidence play in success of an NFL quarterback? Can you define how you manage the dichotomy between the two? Yeah, I would call it vulnerability. I think there's a, there's a, there's a emotional maturity that you, as you play more that you really need so that you can be honest with yourself. Uh, when you're playing really well and everyone tells you you're great, then you start to believe, you know, it's like, well, I'm great. And then you don't do the work and you don't have the humility to say, look, you, you, you suck and you're not doing the job. And, 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 and to be the top of the league, if you're going to be that kind of a guy, you have to have that almost weekly check-in with yourself. And so I, I think humility, or you call it, or I call it vulnerability, just to be able to take in information and not, not, you know, tell people to shove it. And then the confidence that comes with that, I think they actually work together in the, you know, if, you, if you do it right, I think there's a loop of, of vulnerability to truth and criticism and things that really can matter. Then you have to be the judge of that because everyone's going to you, you read the paper, you get a lot of criticism, but the, the real people that you trust and, the, and even yourself watching, how do I take in something and learn and be better? And then the confidence that comes out of that because you're actually getting better. Um, I, I thought every day, look, I'm, I want to be better every day. I want to be the best I can ever be, and I'm never going to give an inch. And until uh, um, the day I retired, I kind of felt that way. I don't know if I you know, pulled it off, but at least it was intentional. It was aspirational. But uh, those things don't – those they're not at odds if you think about them the right way. Mike Monahan says, Steve, did you really say that to Eminem? I saw you guys pictured. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah. What did well, you say? I saw him at halftime. They asked me, do you want to go meet him? I'm like, yeah, I'd love him. my kids. It would be great. We went down. It was halftime. It was you know, 24 seven, you know, and I walk, I walk in and I, I, I met him. I said, look, you got to, you got the Harry Potter trance on our team. Like, quit, look, look away, man. I don't know what you got going here. You gotta, you gotta look away. And we laughed about it. We chuckled a little bit and talked about how amazing it was and how much, how long he'd been a fan and how hard it'd been and everything. And it just, I could feel that visceral feeling when you, when you're, you, you, something's about to happen that you can't imagine. And I, and I said to him, you, you taste it, don't you? You know? And, and, and he says, yeah, I like, you can, I was like, you got to spit it out because it's not done and it can't be there yet. And I said, if you get to 34, then you can, you can chew on as much as you want, but until you get to 34, it ain't happening. That is and, awesome. Uh, and, uh, and I just, as a friend, it was always, I didn't mean it to be a challenge or anything. I was just trying to, right, right. Him, I was trying to give him emotional stability. So right. he, didn't, he didn't run ahead when uh when it wasn't time yet and if i and if i would have told him that dan campbell was going to not kick two field goals when he had them then you know <laughs> then you really got to spit it out because that's when it when that first time that he went out there in fourth and four or three it might even have been two at the 30 and, and he's up 24 7 he does not kick that field goal 
I, I talk, and I talked to John Lynch about this too. That's when we both felt like, oh no, this game's on. Right. We didn't get right. that fourth down. It was like it changed the nature of it. And and I just I don't care I don't care what you he could come up with. I don't care what he says to me ever in his life. That was the biggest mistake in contextual coaching in the history. I mean, it's just like wow. Wow. Momentum is a dangerous thing. Such a, and you've got to care for it. You've got it, and it, you know you're on the road in an unexpected situation against the number one seed, and you're up twenty four seven, and you got a field goal to kick, and you're going to be like, no, no, we go for those. Like, okay, bro, you can go for those any other time in your life. This is the one time you cannot do it. You kick a field goal to further put that dagger in, and the 49ers just took energy out of the fact that they didn't get that. And then Sean, Sean O'Leary says, "Well, go ahead. I'm sorry." Then he did it again. And then yeah. that's when I was like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, seriously. Sean, and he wouldn't do it the same way next time around. Sean O'Leary says, just want to say thank you, Steve, for all you've done for the 49ers. I was a young kid for the 80s Super Bowls, but came of age watching you play forever my standard for what it means to be a 49er talent, smarts, and heart. That's kind. Um, Noe GQ Pena. My first teddy bear was named Steve Young. <laughs> there you hold go. it tight baby hold it tight <laughs> andre thompson has become a youtube member thank you andre hey peter parker steve my stepdad passed in 2007 you were his fave no i'll tell so. you larry uh, through the years the people that sat in the different sections especially you know at candlestick and and, and they the families became f- like friends like people would sit in rows and they would they knew each other and as i people would meet me out on the street and they would hug me like steve young you know, you're part of and, and i'd be like well, they're hugging me. Right? Like, well because they had that visceral feeling like there's this he's part of the family we're section 46 we've got the whole we had everybody in the section we went we went to cabo together we 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 we, we went you know we uh tailgate together it was like there was an era of time that uh, you know, in the '80s and '90s, where when he talks about his dad passing away and what he went through, I guarantee he's, that was the experience they had, and I've had to honor that. And so when people hug me, I'm like, "Hug away, bro, because we're hugging it out. It's awesome to be a part of something that was so cool." No, it's it's cool when people feel like they know you and they and and they share that bond. Bay Area Chris says, "Thanks for mentioning Brock Purdy, Steve. Wore your jersey today." Okay, Jesse Wade says, Steve, as a diehard faithful, I want to say thank you. Thank you for all the memories. You are an absolute legend. <laughs> wait, did my kid, wait, my kid's still here? <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, oh, come yeah. back in here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, my kids don't think much of me, man. So uh, I got to, you know, I got to. <laughs> exactly. You're just Steve. You're just dad. <laughs> my oldest does. He does your Lyle, are you okay with that? That you're a legend. Dad, the legend, Cless Lampiria, 49er, uh, my 49er quarterback, my forever quarterback, Mr. Mr. Young. Steve, do you think this defense can truly turn around or is there more of a serious problem? Love you both. Thank you very much. There's uh, there's fear in the system today. There's fear. And we got to end. We got to we got to flip it. And I'm not all I need is just just you guys can do it. Just go flip it. And uh that's Let's great. see it happen. Lisa Rodriguez says it's Steve, it's John Stephen Young, y'all, my favorite quarterback. Yeah, so Lisa, yeah. I, I I I uh I signed in a, my my Google must be John Young. So I said, yeah, my, that's in case I get arrested. <laughs> Rakeeb Jumani says my favorite analyst and favorite quarterback of all time. I must be dreaming. Pinch me. Well, thank you. I take that very 
Very kindly, Rakeeb. Uh, Bomber78, would you say Brock will be able to maintain his calm and collective vibe uh, to him during his first Super Bowl? Steve, what is, what is your score prediction? Yeah, no, I think, you know, Brock's proven that, you know, not much. But there are things that got to him. The rain and, and that game, the Green Bay, that, that was not a look that I want to see again. And uh, look at halftime, you know, right before halftime. I don't want to see that again either. But but he seems like a guy that, uh, for his age, is well beyond those years. And so I don't I don't expect anything in the Super Bowl to be kind of overwhelming. The situation could get hairy. Uh, but the score, I, I, I want to believe the 49ers can flip the script and do something really kind of, you know, kind of you – know, th- 35 21 like like really kind of pull away like i know that's a the 49ers and the chiefs of of this moment i I, you know if it was again if it was thanksgiving or halloween that's my score but i i I need that score back i need that i need that i need that team back that uh, i had before before christmas i have 31 20 kent says how do you convince yourself that this is just another game why do you think brock can do that given how inexperienced he is it's just you got to understand how he sees the world and um, he's on God's errand and 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 he's in God's hands. And he that's just how he speaks. That's how he looks at the world. And if uh, and I don't ha- he doesn't have to think about any more than that. And his faith is a is a superpower. And, you know, and that's what I learned from interviewing him. And it's it's just, you, you know, if you don't if you don't understand them, you don't understand him. Yeah, he's so, a man. He's definitely faith is front. Um, okay, let me hit the, as many of these as I can before we got to get. I, out I, I, you've, I've got to go, Larry. So yeah, no problem. Hey, let me. I'll read this last one and then I'll read the rest when you're not here. Kent says, "How important is the game for Kyle? It's hard to imagine how much the the Pats come back in the 2019 loss weigh on him. Andy Reid's success must inspire him." Yeah, and I think that that's like you. you the hurdles are placed in front of you to be an all-time great coach or all-time great quarterback or all-time great general manager or anybody that these things have to be knocked down. And he had, you know, he had it at halftime or, you know, third quarter uh, against the Patriots and that, that it's just evaporated. And that's got to, I mean, you don't, you, you don't, you don't, things don't haunt you. I think, I think it's just, I, I, you know how rare it is to get there. The 19 is the same thing with the lead. Um, so yeah, all that, you don't have to wonder, like, you know, you don't have to ask me how Kyle feels about that. You don't have to ask Kyle, you know, how that is Yeah. You're like, you want to, you want to be the best and you don't want to have things that happen like that. And so like, that's not that you don't have to wonder about how you want to go make that right. Steve, love, right, you, bro- love you, brother. Thank you You're for the, the time, man. man. Have you. a great night. Go Niners. Okay. See you, buddy. Peace. There you go. The great Steve Young. Um, all right, I'm going to read the rest of these, and and thank you guys. I'm I wish I could have had gotten to all these sooner, but I mean they're just going to keep coming all night for Steve Young, and I understand that. So let me roll through them here. Uh, also, my favorite 49er moment ever was when you beat Dallas and was running around the stadium with the biggest smile ever. So awesome, I cried. And of course, you were Kles Limperio is talking about the 1994. NFC Championship game. SS, his favorite moment was when Steve Young during the 1998 wild card game threw the ball, the TO in the end zone, my first year in this country. There you go. Uh, Christopher Henniger, Hengler says Steve's the man, 49ers 23, uh, 2023, 2024. Thank you there. Gammon Brown in the house says Krug, nice Steve Young, uh, AI deep fake. <laughs> yeah, it's not, that wasn't really Steve. 
Dazzo 0187, Chiefs gave up 4.7 yards a carry to the Bills and 5.1 yards per carry to the Ravens. Are you confident we can run on the Chiefs? Um, I am. And I think if there's one thing that stood out when I was doing my research on this game, it was the Warren Sharp breakdown where he basically says that the Chiefs struggle badly against two running back sets. The Niners use two running back sets at the highest rate in the NFL. KC's success versus two running back sets is not good. They're 27th in the NFL at yards per carry, giving up 5.2 per carry. They're 23rd in the NFL EPA per rush attempt. And then they are 30th in the NFL in success rate, uh, 30th in the NFL in yards per carry allowed. Uh, six yards per carry against two running backs on early downs. So I think you're going to see the 49ers run the ball on early downs against Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City will go to their base defense, and um, we'll see. We'll see what you know how it's going to look, but I think there is an advantage there for the 49ers. Uh, Cozy Vibe Studio, seeing Steve Young reminds me so much of my dad and our memories together watching our Niners. Uh, Gurpeet Takar says rocking my 1994 Steve Young jersey from the airport to Vegas. Steve loves to hear that. The Chad says, Steve, my grandpa was your biggest fan at BYU and in San Francisco. You are the reason I'm a 49ers fan. Lots of respect from Utah. And Brian Castillo says, Steve, what is the main key for the Niners bringing this home? If you go back and watch the first part of this stream, you'll see, um, you know, Steve, outlined kind of a couple things about this game that he thought were keys as far as the Niners winning it or is concerned. Steven Pryor said, Steve, let's look past the Super Bowl. If you were still the quarterback still today, what position would you pound the table and ask John Lynch to improve during the offseason? I think he'd probably say the line of scrimmage. Offensive line, defensive line would be my guess. Robert Lucarelli Jr. Steve, as someone who backed up Joe, do you think Darnold should stay and back up Brock? Um. You know, I mean, that's interesting. I don't know what he would say to that. I think Darnold's probably going to wind up leaving in the offseason, but this is a great offense. There's no question. And um, only thing is, is, you know, Brock's a young man. You know, Joe Montana was an older player um, and, and had been had injuries. Brock's a 24-year-old. So if Darnold wants to play, he's probably going to have to depart. Alex Jesus, Steve, absolute legend. Did Brock have a chance to have a chat with you as was reported by the media? If so, how would you describe his headspace right now? He actually referenced that, Alex, early in the stream. He said that they talked on Saturday before the 49ers, um, you know, a couple days before they departed. And he, Steve seemed to think like he was in a real good place. NG49 to Steve Young, my favorite quarterback of all time. Johnny Granado says, Young Brock Montana. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Treeman McCool Jackson says, Steve, you're my favorite NFL player of all time. Number eight. And JFig909ers says, I became a 49er fan since the catch with Terrell Owens. You're awesome, Steve Young. Let Brock cook. Travis Gaitner says, Steve, how'd it feel to get... Uh, to how did it feel to get the monkey off your back? Asked him about that uh, earlier in the stream. So you can go back and listen for that. And uh, we've got this one from Moises Rosales. So Steve, anyway, you can get a shout out for San Francisco Public Schools. We love you, legend. So Moises, I'm sorry that we couldn't get to that one until after Steve departed. But uh, if Steve had stayed here, you know, the 31 chats would have turned into 
uh, 71 chats and with this interview would have gone well past. I, I asked him for, you know, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and uh, we were already at an hour. So um, definitely, definitely uh, appreciate your, your super chat guys. That's going to do it for the show uh, tonight. Um, I am people, a couple people asked Krug, when are you headed to Vegas? I'm headed to Vegas tomorrow. So I will be in Las Vegas tomorrow. Um, and we're going to be there all week long producing great content. Uh, if you see me on the strip, if you see me anywhere, come over and say hello. We're going to be producing a ton of videos, interviewing a number of people. Um, you know, we'll do more of our live streams with our content creator crew. Um, everybody from coach to Guy Haberman to Vish and Jesse and Grant and all of them. Uh, Damon Bruce, all of them uh, will be uh, staying on the strip and we'll be do, putting out lots of videos and lots of content. Um, as far as this game, I did tweet something earlier tonight that I do want to read to you guys because I think, to me, it's, it's interesting. Um, I spent some time last night watching the Chiefs-Ravens AFC title game. And I just wanted to put my eyes on Kansas City. Not, you know, I know I know the personnel. I mean, I know all those guys in the draft. I mean, there's a, there's a number of guys that were still that are there from the team that was in the Super Bowl four years ago. And I've watched the Chiefs five, six, seven times this year in the regular season. But you don't really get a feel for a team until you watch them, I think, in one of their more recent games. And just based on what I saw in that Kansas City Baltimore game in the AFC title game. The one thing that is a little unnerving is that they've got this big play quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, and yet they are running a very efficient offense right now, and they're not trying to do a whole lot. And they went into Baltimore and negated the number one defense in the NFL in the Ravens defense. And how did they do it? They did it by coming out on the first couple drives and just using the quick game, right? Mahomes wasn't even getting to the top of the drop. He was, he was taking a you know three-step drop and the ball's coming out. You know, there's Kelsey on a hot route. There's Pacheco in the flat. You know, there's Rasheed Rice on a little, you know, stop route right in front of the quarterback. Crosses the face, boom, ball comes out. And Clowney and Matabuke and Owe and all those talented rushers that Baltimore had totally negated. No chance at all to sack Mahomes. Ball was coming out quick, like right now, right now, right now. And I could see the Chiefs doing that to Chase Young and Nick Bosa. And so this idea that like Bosa and Young are going to go hunt uh, Mahomes, they're only going to hunt Mahomes if the Niners can conquer this first wave of Kansas city's offense, the Niners are struggling on paper to stop the run. So in addition to the quick game passes, they're going to get Isaiah Pacheco on runs. Now the Niners are struggling to defend the edges against the run, but they're also struggling. You know, Kansas city likes to run it up the middle behind Creed Humphrey. Who's a fantastic center. And that's what I saw in this game. It was a lot of Pacheco up the middle, behind the strength of their O-line, their interior three. And then when they got to third down, I mean, it was a very unambitious Chiefs offense. 
They weren't trying to throw the ball down the field. They weren't dropping five steps, seven steps, and giving the edge rushers a chance to sack Mahomes. It was the quick game, get to third and three, third and four, and then either have Mahomes look for Kelsey, and they're so in sync, or actually just have Mahomes scramble. And they moved the ball down the field almost at will against the number one defense in the league. Now, then they flashed a stat in the middle of the first quarter. Kansas City has scored on their first offensive possession in eight straight games. So they're coming out, getting a lead, taking no chances with the football, not dropping back to pass, even though they got a quarterback with a howitzer. They're not dropping him seven steps. They're not even dropping him five steps. They're quick game and run Pacheco and then let Patrick scramble or find Kelsey on some little timing route where they're just, they're absolutely, they know each other so well and their reps, their, their, their understanding of one another and, and where, you know, Patrick's understanding of where Kelsey's going to be is unbelievable. Kelsey's ability to sit in a soft zone and just turn around is just, it's uncanny. So, What's clear to me is that Andy Reid looked at this offense and said, Sky Moore, MVS, you know, Richie James, we don't trust you. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not going to trust you. They went three tight ends a lot against ball against Buffalo and ran the ball. But for the most part, he has streamlined his offense to utilize only the weapons that he truly trusts. So who does he trust? He trusts Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, and Patrick. That's it. And so I think those are going to be the guys who touch the ball exclusively. They don't want to take risks. They want to move the ball methodically. And then their defense right now is giving up only seven points a game in the second half. They only gave Baltimore three points in the second half in Baltimore. So that's how they want to win games. So if you're Steve Wilkes, you know, we can talk about, you know, Bosa's got to sack the quarterback. Bosa's not even going to get a chance to sack the quarterback if Steve Wilkes' defense can't counter the quick game by bumping Kelsey consistently off the line of scrimmage and smothering all the receivers within five yards, taking away the quick game, uh, gang tackling Isaiah Pacheco. Um, they're not even going to get to rush the passer if they can't defend that. So it, it really starts right there. Then if you can defend that, you got a chance to win. If you can get Kansas City into second and long and third and long, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith are not great. Bosa and Chase Young should be able to beat those guys one-on-one. They should be able to generate some heat on Mahomes but only if he takes a five-step drop, only if he takes a seven-step drop, only if they're forced to actually drop back and make and make passes. So if they can force Mahomes to take five- and seven-step drops, maybe get a lead in this game and rush him and hit him, and then, you know, um, in the secondary, get good breaks on, on the deep balls that he throws. You got to remember this. The Niners' defensive backs led the NFL this year with 22 interceptions. The Niners will take the ball away. They did it against um they did it against against Jordan Love. Um you know in, against Green Bay, they took the ball away. So um 
they they will take the ball away. But if if this is a game of Mahomes dinking and dunking, you know, and handing it to Pacheco and then running uh, for two, three yards on third downs, they're going to be able to move the ball pretty consistently down the field. And then it's going to be more of a shootout with the Niner offense. And then it's a matter of who can take better care of the football and who can score more points. But to me, that's where this game, that's what you're going to expect in this game. Kansas City is not coming out and going up top. And you're not going to have Nick Bosa with three, four sacks in the first half. It's going to be the quick game and how well do the Niners defend it? Isaiah Pacheco, how well do the Niners defend that? Um, can you can the Niners not make critical mistakes? Baltimore had a number of penalties that really burned them. Can the Niners avoid those penalties? Baltimore got beat, I think, because they were a running team that went away from their run plan, but also they fell behind to Mahomes and they kind of they kind of panicked. They kind of panicked, and Mahomes moved the ball against the number one defense without really taking any chances. It was it was really impressive to watch for sure. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you very much to Pig and a Pickle, the title sponsor of the Krug Show. Check us out in Vegas. Also, we're sponsored all week in Las Vegas. Our Vegas trip sponsored by Sharp Corner Sports Cards and Collectibles. They're located at 205 Cypress Avenue in Pacific Grove, California, along the Monterey Peninsula. Give Anthony Catania a call. He's at 831-521-5264. And we're also brought to you by valleyhillroofing.org or .net, I should say, give them a call, 209-481-6851. And they're a premier roofing solution. Uh, if you're looking for solar, if you're looking for a quality roofer, um, they can do a fantastic job for you. And thanks to both companies for for supporting the Krug Show. Both of their uh, company websites will be in the, the, they're linked in the description. So check that out in the description. And thanks to all you guys. Lots of kind words for Steve. Um, also, one more here from GBG. This is big credit to Kev for getting Steve on. Yep, Kev did it. Kev, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Steve's a great guy. And I, you know, um, I don't like to jam him up with a bunch of meaningless interviews throughout the season because he does a lot and he's on a lot on KMBR with Tommy and, and Adam. Um, and he does an awful lot, you know, for the community. And I don't like to jam him up, but I said to him, Hey man, it would really be awesome to have you on, uh, during the playoffs. And it just worked out that we could do it this, uh, this week of Super Bowl week. So thanks to all of you guys. Um, thanks by the way, the Krug show is growing by leaps and bounds. Um, unbelievably, I'm just looking at it right now. The Krug show is at 37,000. 642 total subscribers. We've had 4.3 million views of our content this month alone in the last 28 days, 375,000 watch time hours. We've added almost 4,500 subscribers just in the last four weeks alone. So if you've yet to subscribe to the Krug show, uh, please do hit like and subscribe. And uh, we put out a lot of content. We put out a lot of 49er content. Uh, we put out a lot of giant content. I did a video today on maybe the Giants getting Jorge Soler. I'd be very excited about that. We do a lot of Warrior content, and we'll be in Vegas all weekend, or all week, I should say, doing even more Niner content. So thanks to all of you guys. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to all, for all the Super Chats. Thanks to our sponsors. Kev, you're the man. 
Join us from Vegas. We'll be there the rest of the week. Until then, peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked for. He